This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast, episode 271, Ranking the Pixar Classic Era. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, the number one place to get your animation fix with animation addicts just like you. Each episode, we dive into the wonderful world of animation featuring Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, and everything in between. From hilarious discussions and movie reviews to interviews with industry insiders, this show's mission is to brighten your day through our love of animation. So hop on your nerdy couch, grab some snacks, and get ready to hang out with your animation besties because it's time to dive into today's episode. Hey there, animation addicts. I'm Morgan Stradling. And I'm Chelsea Robson. Chelsea, we are finally done with the Disney countdown, ranking all the different Disney films. Now, we didn't technically rank them as a master list. We could go back and do that, I guess. But what we did do is we took each of the eras into nice bite-sized pieces and then broke down the films from there. I think it just it would be easiest to just go ahead and take like the top ones and just like say, yeah, Beauty and the Beast won. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just skip to the yes. Skip to the good part. Beauty and the Beast is the winner. Let's you got it. We spoiled it for part. you guys. So we are actually going to be going and doing this entire exercise all over again for the next few episodes, the Nerdy Couch Discussion episodes, but we're going to be doing it from a Pixar lens. We were going to maybe fit these in throughout, but it just didn't make sense to be breaking up the Disney canon with Pixar films. And so now that we're done with Disney, we've put those back on the shelf. It's time to look at Pixar. And even though there's not as many Pixar films, there are quite a few Pixar films at this point in time. So we decided, you know what? They each kind of also have their own eras, although the arrows may be smaller, perhaps, but nonetheless, they have them. And so as the rotoscopers, the animation addicts do, we shall rank them. <laughs> Is this just becoming a ranking podcast? I, it could be. <laughs> hey, what the people want, we give the people. Everyone loves a good list, right? Everybody loves a good list. Yeah, I mean, we started out with ranking all of the Disney musical types of songs. So like all the best love songs, all of the best opening songs. Oh, yes. All the best R&B remixes. Of course. Those were great lists over there. Uh, and then we went in and started doing all of the Disney films. And now we're into the Pixar. I mean, we're just, we like our lists. <laughs> yes, we do. So let's jump into the latest list. This is the 
Pixar classic era. So stay tuned and we'll talk about it next. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, so the Pixar classic era. This is basically what you think of when you think of the beginnings of Pixar. Now, obviously, we're talking about the feature length films. The studio started in the 80s and had different shorts and whatnot that were that they helped with and that they not they helped with. They did. <laughs> but let's talk about this. So this is from 1995 to about 2003. And these are very classic, iconic Pixar properties, classic directors and very classic movies at this point in time. So there are just five in this classic era. So very bite sized for us to talk about. And the very first one in 1995, I cannot believe it, Toy Story directed by John Lasseter. If you look at the three major American-based animation studios, you've got, the, you've got Disney, you've got DreamWorks, and you've got Pixar. But how everything came into focus, it was Disney first, and then Pixar comes in, swoops in, and is like, hey, can you like distribute our stuff too? Thanks, guys. And then at that point, you have DreamWorks kind of split off and start doing their thing. And it's just kind of interesting how this whole era started in at the tail end, I would say, of the Renaissance. And that's kind of when things started splinter. I say the midpoint of the Renaissance. Yes. The Renaissance was still the Renaissance, even though the second half of the Renaissance was maybe not as epic. I will agree with that. Yes. I think that this was like... This was the contender. You know, it could have been a contender. Uh, This really was the contender, and it really shifted how technology was infused into the medium, Mm -hmm. more so than just the drawn-by-hand stylings. And even when you're adding in caps, you know, all these different parts of technology that that have really pushed the medium forward, it just really, really was a Mm game-changer. Toy Story was the game-changer of all of them. And we've said this so many times before, when you go back and you watch Toy Story, yes, the animation, it's a bit dated. The characters are, <laughs> no pun intended, a bit woody. And uh-huh. the expressions aren't quite there. You know, they they really haven't finessed CGI animation. But nonetheless, the story is absolutely fantastic. The characters are mm-hmm. unforgettable. The Just the the plot and the setting and the imagination is out of this world. And I think that's why Toy Story, when you think of Pixar's flagship brand or product, to me, it's Toy Story. I know some people mm-hmm. may say Cars, but I even think maybe Cars has taken a, yeah, I, you can't say Cars. Like Cars is one of them, but it's, <laughs> it's Toy Story. I mean, and you, you look at the Disney parks and basically every Disney park at this point in time has kind of a Pixar land just because mm-hmm. it is so iconic and it's so beloved. And no matter whether you grew up with these films or you were just born two years ago, 
you love Toy Story, it, it, which is very, very hard to do because I feel like there's some properties that were like, ah, oh, remember our childhood? This was it. This right. was so great. And kids nowadays have never heard of it. And even if you tried to expose them to it, they'd be like, what? But Toy Story is not that. It really transcends all time and space. <laughs> so that's that's the Toy Story franchise and the legacy that it's had. But the film itself, iconic. <laughs> it really is. And then you also add in the music. And this was like kind of the the starting of what Pixar decided it was going to be. And I love the the story of how they decided, OK, these are the movies that we're going to do. And here are the rules that we are going to follow for us to differentiate us from the renaissance that was happening at Disney. And I think that was very smart of them to really dis- define who they wanted to be, the, sto- the types of stories that they wanted to tell, which were the what if stories and I think that that really helped them in that getting that ball, ball rolling and it just steamrolled. All right. So then we have A Bug's Life, 1998. Also John Lasseter. So John Lasseter was the CEO of the of Pixar. Him with Ed Catmull were kind of the heads of the studio. And then Steve Jobs was heavily involved, but more from a financial side, but also gave his mm-hmm. perspective on the, the films as they were coming up. Yeah. I mean, I would. <laughs> If I'm if I'm in charge of the money, I'm definitely going to put my input in. Oh, yes. That's why. Yeah, that's why the suits always have such a big say in these things for better or for worse. But Steve actually knew what he was talking about and is one of the reasons you could say that Pixar was so successful among many. But we have a bug's life now. Bug's life. Cute, adorable. But Mm -hmm. looking back just does not even compare or stand up to some of the other Pixar films that have been released since. It was so weird because at the time you also had DreamWorks, which was trying to throw out their movies that were kind of similar. And you, so you had Ants come out at basically the same time, which was just so weird. Which, well, it wasn't weird. It wasn't necessarily even a coincidence because Jeffrey Katzenberg was with Disney under That's Eisner. True. And he was basically in helping out with Walt Disney Animation Studios, you know, what or whatever the name was at the time. It seems like it changes every 20 years. But, you know, so he knew what was coming up in the pipeline for Disney and uh, even some of the films that it distributed. And then lo and behold, starts his own studio and has a similar premise film, which is (laughs) coincidence. I think not, which it's really interesting. It's like, oh, our competitors are doing this. So let's do that, too. You would think, no, let's steer clear. Let's do something different. But this happens all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I liked Bug's Life, I feel like the music is really iconic to that story. I I feel like I can hear it right now as I'm just thinking about it. And the colors, the life, just the animation, because they were sticking with bugs, they didn't have to be like photorealistic, you know? So these are cartoon bugs. So they did a good job with that and made them all like kind of round and bouncy feeling. So the, the squash and stretch is strong with this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the overall vibe of it. I don't think that this is up on my highest, but it is definitely a solid film. Mm -hmm. So next up is Toy Story 2, also directed by John Lasseter. This was initially supposed to be a direct-to-video sequel, which, Mm -hmm. thank goodness, it wasn't. And incredible story behind the making of this, but it last minute decided that they were going to release it theatrically. Basically, the whole entire movie came together in about nine months, which is 
insane. But I love Toy Story 2. It takes everything about Toy Story and just builds on it in the best way possible. The new characters that are introduced, we have Jesse, we have Bullseye, we have Stinky Pete. There's a new villain, which in the first one, there wasn't necessarily a villain. They're, you know, just the antagonistic main characters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And new setting, it's, it's just so great. I love the Roundup Gang. I love, you know, some of the songs that they introduced. Typically Pixar at this point had songs, Um, But it wasn't necessarily the character singing. And this, likewise, Mm -hmm. we see that. But we see When She Loved Me, which made everybody cry in the theaters when they saw it. And still to this day, it's just such a sad, touching story. And, you know, with the Toy Story franchise, it's about growing up. It's about moving on. Yes, you do. You do. You're like, dang it. And I was around 12 at the time. And it's just like Uh right in that moment where you're making this transition. And it's like, thanks a lot for making me feel bad about this normal period of my life. (laughs) What I, the story that I love about this one is how it almost got deleted. Oh, classic. Oh gosh. It just, it fills me with anxiety, but also so much gratitude for this woman. I don't remember what her actual position was, but she was on maternity leave. And so she just happened to take a full copy of the film to take home in order to do her job. And (laughs) then somehow when they went back and tried to like do something, somebody, you know, puts, it's like the, the, that cartoon freakazoid where it's like, you you follow this insane amount of numbers followed by delete and everything just changes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's like somebody did something and it was all gone every bit of it. And she had to like wrap up her computer and gently take it because it's everyone's like, this is our whole life right here. (laughs) I just, I love that story. I think it's so insane. Uh, But the fact that she was able to save the day was like, oh, good. Good for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's great. You know, and it really helped solidify Pixar as this hit machine, as this, you're able to have lightning strike again. You know, you're not just this one hit wonder. And I think people are really starting to realize that at this point, maybe, maybe once Monsters Inc. comes around, but definitely, I mean, it'd been a few years that Pixar is something that you look forward to. There's something that's good, especially now this is definitely the very end of the Renaissance. And then with our next film, Monsters Inc. coming out in 2001, Disney was on the decline and Pixar is on the up. Yes. And so Pixar's now the, the new sheriff in town. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, it's true. I mean, I I understand why because and we didn't really go into this when we were talking about the films of, you know, the the post renaissance. Um <laughs> just the fact that all of that was a huge thing because all of the major story creators and animators were being basically just picked off by Dreamworks and so it was the studio was quote unquote ravaged by thieves, but I don't, I don't see it that way, but that's just, you can just see everything, just the splitting off and a new industry being solidified and created and more jobs available everywhere. So you just see all of these changes happening and Pixar, you know, they knew who they were, they knew who they wanted to be. And so they were really poised for a, a huge ramp during mm-hmm. this time 
during the DreamWorks and Disney trying to figure out who they are now, mm-hmm. now that they everybody exists. Yeah, as far as box office, they each progressive film did better and better and better. So Toy Story, 373 million worldwide, A Bug's Life, a little less, 363 million. Toy Story 2, 511 million. And now we're going into Monsters Incorporated, which did 632 million. So this is in 2001 Mm. when, and this is the first film not to be directed by good old John Lasseter. We have Pete Mm -hmm. Doctor, and Mm -hmm. he is one of these, when you're thinking of Pixar directors, and for a while, they just had their main core group, this Pixar brain trust, if you will. And these are people who had been with the studio really since the beginning or had come on very early on and established mm-hmm. themselves as uh, key players and star players. And so for quite a long time, it was kind of just the same group of folks. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I mean, no. the films are great because the directors, the the leader in charge is great. It's just like a football team. You know, there's... There's different coaches that can take a mediocre team and make it great. And there's coaches that can take a great team and make it mediocre. And it's the people (laughs) doing the work are exactly the same, but the the leader in charge makes all the difference. Yeah. And for the first 15 years, so during this, the classic age and the next episode, which we'll be focusing on the golden age up until 2010, they really were focused on themselves mm-hmm. and that's kind of how you have to be when you are developing any type of company or, or any type of group, you know, you're with a, with a singular goal, you have to really just keep the blinders on. Don't look at what other people are doing and just focus on what you're doing. So monsters incorporated really creative, clever film. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's unique. It's mm-hmm. fun. It takes a spin on the monster under the bed story that, you know, so many kids believe that they have and it just kind of (laughs) just has this funny spin on it that they're extracting screams for their energy production and that's what this entire society is built on and it's just clever and fun and then boo gets introduced and throws a big wrench in everyone's plans and you know the humans are supposed to be toxic and just really really fun (laughs) it's just classically pixar yeah and this really does lean into the what if you know, what if monsters under the bed really exist? What if toys really did come alive? What if bugs had a their own world? I, I really liked this movie. I felt like it was a good pairing of the buddy side. There are buddies and then they had a little bit of a rift. And so they're trying to come over, trying to fix this whole boo situation. And so they're trying to figure out how do we get in this? But like Mike Wazowski is one of my favorite characters. He's like, <laughs> right. Like, I feel like he's just, um, I love the, the, anytime he's on a magazine or I was like, I'm on, like, he's like halfway covered up and everybody thinks he's going to be mad. He's like, look, it's, I'm on there. He's like perfect optimist. I like it. So then we're topping this off with Finding Nemo 2003 directed by Andrew Stanton. This every single year for the most part, the the films have just done more and more and more money. This one, no exception, $871 million worldwide box office. And I remember when this came out, this was huge. People were talking mm-hmm. about it. I remember yeah. talking about it at church, specifically one very specific conversation with a very specific girl about Finding Nemo and how good it was <laughs> and how great. And just, yeah. you know, we were, these were high schoolers talking about the latest Pixar movie that Pixar was universal. It's just, we knew that even though it was a story about fish, 
that they were great films. Yeah, and they really knew how to how to lay out a story frame. And I remember reading a just some random person's critical review in a newspaper or in a magazine or a newspaper or something. Like it was just the fact that I'm I'm saying that I, I read it in a newspaper in print is it's it's time warp. <laughs> so but this I just remember this person was like over the moon about it and was just like, you know, and when it comes down to it, it's just a story about a father and son trying to find their way. And it was like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> but I remember being so enthralled by all like and wanting to know what other people thought about this and wanting to talk about it. Mm hmm. Maybe that's why we're here today, <laughs> because all these things like, I mean, this whole era was really kind of pivotal and foundational for why you and I are such big fans of animation as a medium and not just as a thing for kids, mm -hmm. because all of these stories transcended kids. They were smart. Themes were universal. And everything that led us here to today, 10 years of podcasting later, like it started with these guys. So I really respect them. And I'm, I'm really so I'm just really grateful that they were able to put together some really great stuff. All right. So let's go in and let's rank our films of the Pixar classic era, shall we? OK, so my number five is going to be Bugs Life. Number four is going to be Monsters, Inc. Number three, Finding Nemo. Number two, Toy Story. And number one, Toy Story 2. Excellent. Mine, number five, is going to be A Bug's Life. Number four, Monsters Incorporated. Number three, Finding Nemo. Number two, Toy Story. And number one, Toy Story 2. I so yeah, we're the same. Yeah, I have such a hard time with <laughs> Toy Story and Toy Story 2. You real they're so interchangeable almost. You go back and you watch Toy Story. Ah, it's so good. It's so great. Then you watch Toy Story 2. Ah, it's so good. It's it's so great, you know. But I think Toy Story 2 is just slightly better. I think Toy Story 2 really pushes you over because it hooks you so much with the when somebody loved me. That that song trend like is the whole crux of the emotion in the movie. I can still watch that movie and cry at that point, just because it's uh, it, the coming of age and growing up and when, you know, maybe friendships maybe shift and change. And so it's like you some maybe you feel a left behind as you're maybe growing up a little bit as somebody else. Maybe your your friend goes to another school and now is other friends. You know, there's all these coming of age things that happen. And I think that there's more of a universal connection with that one than Toy Story mm -hmm. than, than the original. But I feel like, I mean, they're both so iconic that it's, it is really hard to pick which one is the, the best. All right. We'll let you decide. Let us know. Go to rotoscopers.com slash 271. Give us your thoughts on the Pixar classic era, the one that started it all. We're excited to dive into these Pixar films over the next course of these episodes. Next up will be the Pixar Golden Age. So get ready for that. And until next time, we, we are, are the Rotoscopers. Rotoscopers. They got deleted, but I just brought them back from the dead. It's alive. It's alive.
You've been listening to the Animation Addicts podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and be sure to leave us a five-star review. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to help spread the word, be sure to share the podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag us at Rotoscopers on Instagram and use the hashtag Animation Addicts. For all the links and full show notes for this episode, go to rotoscopers.com slash podcast. Now, if you still can't get enough for your animation fix, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and visit rotoscopers.com for more animation news, reviews, and interviews. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.